Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, church. We doing well? You know, it's, it's interesting. We, I was wondering who would be in church today with Nevada Day weekend, but you're all here. Turn to someone and say, you're looking good. You're looking good. Man, it's, it's good to see you. I know there's a lot happening, and any grandparents or parents in the house or family friends going to take any kiddos out tomorrow, have a good time. And uh, man, what an, enjoyable, what an enjoyable season to be in church. So we're glad you're here, and we request your presence. I know Jen already spoke about it. But who's excited for, I'm going to just say, I'm excited for the next two weeks. You want to know why? Because next Sunday is the best Sunday in the history of church. We get to save an hour. Who's, who's, who loves that Sunday? The sun is up. It's easier to wake up. We get to come to church an hour later. Uh, it, it's the best Sunday in the world until March when we spring forward, right? Everybody's going to skip that Sunday, but you all be here next week, right? And then the 13th. Who's excited for the 13th? Uh, we're going to have a good time. And... Uh, are you, are you marking your calendars, right? We, we, I know we've had a lot of asks in a, in, a, in, a, in a row here, but 35 years is a big deal. That's a big deal. And um, yeah, and I think in order for, for the church to be effective for another 35 years, my goodness, we need to embrace what we have been and who we've always been, but we need to be flexible, flexible enough to just jump into the future, Amen. So, good stuff. Do you have a Bible today? Would you open it up? We're going to go to the next chapter, folks. Genesis chapter uh, 43. Genesis 43. And I'm having some, some iPad problems here. I don't know what's going on with this thing. But as we jump into this story today, we're going to pivot away from Jacob, Joseph's father. He was our topic of discussion last week, and we're going to jump back into this story. There's a family that has been separated for years and years, and they are going to be uh, reunited. At this point in Scripture, Genesis chapter uh, 43, uh, the brother, Simeon, is still held captive he is still uh, uh, held captive by Joseph. He is in Egypt, and the brothers are now making their second trip to Egypt. Uh, they've made the journey back, and they've brought the original money with them. They have brought uh, their, their sacks full of money and, and looking for some more grain. But who's ready to get into Scripture today? We're going to start off in verse 15. If you have a Bible, would you turn it on? Would you open it up? to Genesis chapter 43, and from our advice last week, the, the boys have shown up. They have made this journey with double the amount. Could we just begin this morning, and could we have uh, a word of prayer as we just kind of get ready to hear from the Lord? Is that all right? Let's bow our heads. Holy, Holy Spirit, God, Lord, we come to you today. And Lord, we just ask you to speak to us. God, we ask for you to move in a mighty way. Lord, we are ready and open to be challenged by you. Uh, Lord, and maybe even some of us, may we be open to being changed by you. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Can we all say amen? Amen. Well, Genesis chapter 43, verse 15, let's begin this morning, and let's get into the Word. Let's read it together. Are you with me? All right. So the men, they packed up Jacob's gifts and doubled the money and headed off with, say it to someone, they have him, Benjamin. We know this story. This is an important thing. They, they bring their little, their youngest brother. They finally arrive to Egypt. They present themselves to Joseph. Uh, they arrive, and no doubt, ha have you ever shown up to a job interview? Have you ever walked into a situ situation where you're a little anxious, uh, a little nervous, a little uncertain of what is going to happen? There are, there's no doubt these, these men are walking in with some concerns. They're walking in wondering what is going to happen. They have no idea that the, the governor that they have stood before, this royal vizier, this this this. Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh's assistant, we could say, this man running the kingdom, the prime minister, they have no idea this is their brother, Joseph. Verse 16, when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the manager of his household, these men will eat with me this noon. Take them inside the palace, then go slaughter an animal and prepare a big feast. So the man did as Joseph told him and took them into Joseph's palace. Uh, we already know from last week and weeks prior that these, these brothers, they have been reliving their past. Amen, right? They've been, they've been going over their mistakes. They've been challenged somehow in this situation with this governor of Egypt. These recent events, these happenings have, have brought to light some memories that perhaps they have buried for a long time. Their conscience, their, their, their guilt has been on display, right? These sons of Jacob, they're, they're a lot like their father in many ways, as we learned last week. Verse 18, the brothers were terrified when they saw that they were being taken to Joseph's house. Read what they say. It says, it's because of the money someone put in our sacks last time we're here, they said. He plans to pretend that we stole it. Look, they got this all figured out. Right? They're terrified. They're worried now. They're reminded. He, he plans to pretend we stole it, as if this would even be worth the governor's time, right? Like he's going to bother with these Hebrews. It's, it's an interesting story. But he's going to pretend we stole it, then he will seize us. He'll make slaves out of us, and he will take our donkeys. And you know what's interesting to me is these brothers arrive to this unknown family reunion, this family moment, and they are terrified of what might happen happen and what's interesting to me is Joseph sees them coming it seems and his response is totally the opposite of his brothers do we notice that church right it seems like Joseph is actually eager and excited to see them again maybe he's wondering what the heck took you guys so long right if you remember they only made the trip when they ran out of food because their father Jacob was so full of doubt right he didn't want to lose Benjamin I wonder as time went on if, if, if Joseph started to wonder, like, man, are they going to show up? Put yourself in this situation. I love doing that when we read familiar Bible st stories, right? I wonder what Joseph was thinking as time and possibly months go on. Was he like, man, are they going to desert another brother? Are they going to leave Simeon behind like they left me behind and leave him to an uncertain fate? I wonder what Joseph, what was going on. And the Bible says, look at verse 16, Joseph saw Benjamin. 
And I think in that moment, he just begins to, gosh, change and melt even more his heart for his family. How did, how did Joseph feel? I think we're going to get a hint. When he sees his youngest brother, and if you remember right, this is his only full brother, right? His other brothers are all half brothers, but this is the, the brother from Rachel. And what does Joseph do when he gets excited about seeing his family? What does he do to celebrate? Well, I think he does what any good American does. He says, let's eat. Let's eat, right? Let's eat because we can, right? And so Joseph says, let's throw a party. Let's get some food. Let's slaughter an animal. Let's eat. And there's a feast that takes place at Joseph's palace. Let's continue on in the word. Verse 19, the brothers approached the manager of Joseph's household and spoke to him at the entrance to the palace. Notice, they, they begin to explain themselves right away. These grown men, totally, they begin, the first servant they see, they're like, we didn't do it. We didn't do it. We didn't do it, bro. Right? The first person they see, sir, they said, I'm in verse 20, when we came to Egypt once before to buy food, but as we were returning home, we stopped for the night and opened our sacks, then we discovered that each man's money, the exact amount was paid, was in, uh, the amount paid was in the top of his sack. Here it is, we've brought it back to you. We've brought it back with us. We also have additional money to buy more food. We have no idea who put the money in our sacks. I think it's so interesting. They start off by, they just start to explain themselves. You better explain yourself showing up like this, right? It's got to be this, this issue, this problem. Why did he want to see our younger brother, Benjamin? This has to be all about the money. And how many times do we live our lives? Do we, do we, do we worry about money a little bit, church? Right? We do, right? It has to be about the money, right? Uh, I know um, I, did a, I did my best Elvis impression last week when I talked about suspicious minds, but I found a quote from William Shakespeare. He says this about suspicion. He says, suspicion always haunts, get this, would you agree with this? The guilty mind. Suspicion always haunts the guilty mind. Have you ever been in a situation where you asked a kid something, one of your children something, you, 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 you kind of asked them something and they gave you a different answer? And you were like, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't need to know that, but thanks for outing yourself, right? We've all done that. Some of us have probably been a kid in that situation where we are like, oops, I didn't mean to tell mom that. Oops, I didn't mean to tell dad that, right? But this unresolved guilt over Joseph, this, this, this cloud that hangs over this family unit, this suspicious culture that Jacob has created with his sons, the leader of their home, right? It's this thought, like everything that happens to them, right, it plays into their, their guilt. Everything around them, it plays into their guilt, into their mindset. Number one, would you, would you write this down? Guilt causes us to say and do strange things. Would you agree with that? Guilt causes us to say and do strange things. It's, it's comical from the outside looking in on this story, the way they react, because the brothers are always fearing the worst while it seems like Joseph is planning the best. And, and, and as we kind of close today, like just giving away the rest of the sermon, right, it's, it's so cool to me when you get into God's word and you see how this story of grace in Joseph really... It's a small glimpse into the grace that God has planned for his people. Amen? Right? It's like a small, just like the appetizer story, where Joseph seems to always be planning 
the best, but guilt causes us to say and do strange things. Um, I was trying to think, like, I've never had this problem because it's, it's usually pretty easy, but has anybody here ever been, like, nervous or, or you, you've been you've nervous or you're a little scared after turning in your taxes? There's some interesting giggles, right? Uh, right? After, like, after doing your taxes, reporting your income to the IRS, right? Have you ever been a little bit nervous? And I would just answer that and say, geez, I hope not. Now, maybe a little depressed, maybe a little upset, like, man, I would have loved to have kept some of that, right? But I hope, like, unless you opted to take a shortcut or two or three, we shouldn't really be nervous in that area of our lives, right? But we feel guilt, right? We feel guilt, like somebody might check it out, find it out. These grown men, these grown sons of Jacob, they are uh, influenced, they are dominated, their thought, their world, they're dominated by the guilt, starting by what they did to their brother, Joseph. And they just start off this, this encounter by confessing to this stranger. This might have been like somebody of no importance, they just start confessing to him, right? Verse 23. Relax, don't be afraid, the household manager told them. And look at this, and I think this is interesting to me because he knows who the God of the Hebrews is. I think it's interesting. I bet you Joseph had an impact on his life, right? I bet you Joseph was a missionary in his own home because look at what he says. He says, your God, the God of your father, he must have put this treasure in your sacks. I know I received your payment. Then he released Simeon, and brought him out to them. I think it's interesting that the brothers never thought of this extra money, this extra abundance, this extra uh, uh, money that had been given. They never thought of it as a blessing. Do we think about that? It's interesting. They never thought of it. They never saw it that, you know, God might be just blessing us through this famine with abundance. God might be showing us his favor by letting us leave with full sacks of grain and full stacks of money. And now on top of it, they don't even, it doesn't seem like their brother has been returned. Simeon is safe. He has been returned. Does anybody here, I wish the Bible would tell us a little bit more about where Simeon stayed. Anybody interested in that? Like when we think about the story, I'm just, I mean, it's, it's I'm clearly not like this Joseph in scripture because I just kind of think, did, did Joseph let him off easy, or did he put him in like the supermax prison just for a night or two? Right? Like, what would you have done with your brother Simeon at this? Like, I just wonder, right? Do we, do we have any, imp- I just, I think I would have been like, man, I'm going to let him go in the worst dungeon just for a night, then I'll feed him just a little bit, just to see what happens, right? But I think Joseph, he wasn't built like that. It seems like he always erred on the side of grace, right? He always would err on the side of mercy when it comes to his older brothers. Let's continue in this story. The manager then led the men into Joseph's palace. He gave them water to wash their feet and provided food for their donkeys. They were told they would be eating there, so they prepared their gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon. When Joseph came home, they gave the gifts to him they had brought him. They bowed low to the ground before him. After greeting them, he asked right away, look at this, how is your father? The old man you spoke about, is he still alive? 
Is he still alive? Yes, they replied. Our father, your servant, is alive and well. And they bowed low again. This strange encounter just continues on and on. And instead of answering questions about, remember they left their last encounter, all Joseph asked about, like, bring Benjamin back with you. Instead of answering questions about Benjamin, who was the the topic of their last conversation, instead of answering questions about the extra money, Joseph, this governor who they don't know, goes directly to asking questions about their father, Jacob. And their response, yeah, dad's getting up there in years, governor, but he's still healthy, he's still around, he's still doing well. And look at verse 29. And this is where I just want to kind of asked this morning if if we could place ourselves not only in this story but allow God's word to speak to us today because you know sometimes um, does anybody here ever find it difficult to to get into God's word on a regular basis and sometimes um, am I I'm the only one great you guys are all like no every day 6 a.m. right every morning coffee (laughs) but you know I was thinking about this Sometimes, yes, there, there's moments where it's we need to make a scheduling change or we need to make time for the Lord or we need to just shut off the radio in our car and turn on a devotion. But you know, sometimes I think if we're really honest with ourselves, one of the reasons we stay out of God's word on a consistent basis is because I think deep down we know sometimes God's word will challenge us. You ever think about that? Sometimes it's like we, we know God's word will speak into our situation And sometimes we love being in our situation. We love being right where we're at. We love being angry at who we're at. We love holding on to whatever it is. And God's word will challenge us. God's word will challenge us because the Bible says his thoughts are nothing like our thoughts. His ways don't align with our ways. And how many of us are resistant to change? We like our ways. And so sometimes as we get into the word, I just think, man, I realize that when I I study and I get into scripture, I just think, God, you... You deal with the way I'm thinking. Would you deal with it with us today, Lord? Verse 29. Let's put ourselves here. Joseph looked at his brother Benjamin, the son of his own mother, his full brother. Is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about, Joseph asked. May God be gracious to you, my son. Talk about some eloquent words from this governor. May God be gracious to you. These brothers must be just like freaking out. What is going on here? Something feels like familiar, but we can't figure it out. Then Joseph hurried, and get this, I love this, because we see heroes with real emotions. All throughout Scripture, I love how the Bible is so real. Sometimes, if you read the chapter before, like, there is something in, like, verse, chapter, like, 39 with, with Judah, where I'm telling you, like, sometimes the Bible gives you way too much information. But what I love about the Bible is that these characters, these people, these heroes of old have real problems and real issues and real emotions. The Bible says Joseph had to hurry from the room because why? He was overcome with emotion. Something hit him that he wasn't expecting. He was overcome with emotion for his brother. Get this, he went into his private room where he, the Bible says he broke down and wept. We would say he just lost it. He wept. It doesn't say he just, he teared up, he smeared his Egyptian makeup. No, it says he broke down and he wept. His full brother, right? Remember, these boys, again, they didn't all share 
the same mother. And something happens here. And, and I think sometimes we need to have these moments, church, where it's okay to, to realize you don't always have to be perfect. You don't always have to keep your composure, right? Have you ever had a moment where you have just tried to maintain your composure and you just failed totally? You just lost it. And I think, man, I'm encouraged. This, this leader, this governor, this mighty man of God, this wealthy person, this man that is connected and he is powerful. He's the prime minister of the superpower in the world. And the Bible says he loses it. And, and I think we need to have those moments where we lose it more often. And it doesn't mean you need to lose it on somebody, but sometimes you need to just get alone with God and lose it, right? And just, you don't need to worry about what you look like or your composure or what your complaints sound like, right? I, I, I think of some of the people in Scripture, and I think of Joseph in particular. I think as good as his life was in this moment, remember, the Bible says a, a few chapters earlier, he says, I've had this Manasseh moment, God, you made me forget. Remember that? But here we go, like he said, God, you made me forget all that pain. God, you made me forget all that hurt. You blessed me with this wife. You blessed me with my two sons. You made me forget. But now, right here in front of it, he, 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 he forgot when he was separated from his family, but now he's in the same room. Now they're right in front of him, and there is no way to get some of this hurt out of his mind. And I think he remembered I think he cried. He saw his brother that he probably didn't see since he was a, child, a baby. And he remembered being thrown into that pit. I think he remembered being thrown into the dungeon. I think he remembered how the accusations from Potiphar's wife felt. I think he remembered running the prison. I think he remembered being alone for so long, from 17 to 30, and he remembered it all because of his brothers. Those very men that are now in the room, and he has the power over their very lives. And something comes up, and I think in that moment, something happened to him emotionally, and this happens to us every now and then, where all of a sudden, Joseph is no longer the governor, but he's that 17-year-old boy again who's been left behind. Something happens, like he is no longer the prime minister, the man, the wealthiest guy, right? He is no longer that, but he is that kid who misses his father. He's that kid that was, he, he wanted his young, his older brother, would you just approve of me? He just wanted his older brothers to, to approve him. Maybe he just was like that kid, they, they tell him good job, right? I love that these, these heroes of the faith, they have these real moments. And why is it sometimes we think we're not allowed to be real with God? Sometimes I think we do that, like we, we do it in church. We ask each other and we talk to each other and we're like, no, it's just, it's a great day. What if someone asked you how you were doing today and you just were like, this today just sucks, man. Right? What would your response in church, you'd be like, oh, uh, right? We'd be like, great. Now I got to pray with you, right? We would, like, we'd be so weird about it. We would be. We'd be like, oh, man, why couldn't you just say I'm, I'm good, bro? Good, bro. My fantasy running back's hurt, but I'm good right? But think of Job. Think of how he would cry out to God. I, I think of some of the heroes. I think of Elijah. Remember when Elijah did all of the things he did, and he, it was like he called down fire, and he just went Old Testament judgment. He like destroyed enemies and prophets, and then all of a sudden, this, this lady makes a threat against him, and he just gets suicidal. Remember that with Elijah? He just loses it. David, when he lost his son Absalom, 
right? And, and I just read that story, and I'm like, man, if any son deserved to get whacked, it was Absalom, right? If you know that story, you're like, he kind of deserved it. Yet David was still crushed over this, right? I, I think, of, think of Moses, a, a man who was so, he was, he was, he was in the desert, and, and you could almost, like, we, we glorify and we, we think how amazing he is, but there was a moment where, where Moses just said, thank you so much, God, you've made me a babysitter over millions of complaining people stuck in a desert. Like, thank you so much. These nagging, ungrateful people, I have to, like, lead them. Right? I love that they all have these moments where they just emotionally exploded and kind of lost it with the Lord. And we see that in Scripture. And I love that, you know what's cool is sometimes, even though we deserve it, God just doesn't, like, call down the lightning and zap us on the spot. Number two, would you write this down? God can handle all your hurt and all your frustration. Not a little bit of it, all of it. Would you write that down? God can handle all your hurt. God can handle all your frustration. And I think you might be here today walking through something publicly that you've been dealing with and you're dealing with it in public, but I'm gonna tell you like this, maybe you're here today and you need to deal with it in private. Maybe you need to get alone with God in the car, not around your husband, not around your wife, and you just need to start losing it. And you need to just unload on, you need to lash, like some of you here, like you're like, wow, right? Unload on the Lord, like you need to just lash out. You need to ask him questions. You need to ask him tough questions. You need to tell him how you feel. Because I think sometimes it's like we, we publicly do this like grieving or this mourning thing, but in private, man, you know in private, you can tell him about your anger. I love, like you, in private, you can tell them about your resentment. In private, you can tell them about your unforgiveness, whatever it is. And what's amazing about our God is he can handle every bit of it. He can handle all of it. And, and what's cool about him is he's not going to announce it to the people you're sitting next to in church. Right? What's cool about God is he can handle it. He can listen to it. Right? And he's not going to out you for it. He's not going to announce it to the world all of the doubts that you or I, I'm so thankful like God doesn't announce every time that I've had a, a, a doubt or a mistake, he doesn't just announce what I did or thought about last week or last month. Joseph was so powerful, yet in this moment, in this scripture, he just has a breakdown. And I think some of us need to have a moment alone with God. Maybe there's been some trauma, maybe there's been some hurt, maybe there's been something you've walked through, and publicly you've put on the strong makeup, the strong face. It's all good for everybody else, they, they think you're doing well, but I'm going to tell you, maybe privately you need to have a conversation with the Lord. 31, after washing his face, he came back out, keeping himself under control, then he ordered, bring out the food. Let's do it. Bring out the Chick-fil-A. No, they're going to eat well. The waiters, it's Sunday, we can't go there. The waiters served Joseph at his own table, and his brothers were served at a separate table. The Egyptians who ate with Joseph <clears throat> sat at their own table because Egyptians despised Hebrews and refused to eat with them. And I think about this, like think of this situation. This, this house party, this palace party just turned into a, a Debbie Downer. We're all going to feast, and we're all thinking, we get what we're reading here? Like a buzzkill, like we're all partying, and now we all just sit at different tables, different locations. Picture this, you have Joseph eating at his table alone, right? You have the, the brothers eating at their table alone, 
and you have all the Egyptians eating at their table alone. This has become an awkward feast, to say the least, right? This is an interesting situation. Everyone's sitting uh, separately, and, and, and clearly, I, I was just thinking of this as I was reading verse 32. I bet you Joseph's wife wasn't home. Ladies, right? Because she would have figured this out. I think. I'm just like, the ladies would have figured this out. I bet you, like this party, the, the, she wouldn't have allowed this to take place. She would have been a better host. Something would have gone on. You leave us guys alone to throw a party and to throw a shindig, and we're like, napkins? What do we need napkins for? Right? Right? I got, yeah, I got my, I got my, I, I don't need napkins. I don't need, I don't need anything. We're good. I don't even need finger, I don't need, I don't need forks, knives. Ladies, you can say amen, Right? Joseph told each of his brothers where to sit. And get this, to their amazement, he seated them according to age from oldest to youngest. Now, um, Danette, would you come up and would you close us this morning? I'm, I'm definitely not a mathematician, but I can't even think of the amount of combinations with that, that many brothers at the table. How many combinations that, could you come up with to seat these men? And yet Joseph seats them according to birth, oldest to youngest. Verse 34, and get this, here we go. This is my kind of buffet, my kind of meal. Joseph filled their plates with food from his own table. And then I love this, it says, giving Benjamin five times as much as the others, so they feasted and they drank freely with him. Um, the, the Christian, I know it's like we don't like saying this, but the Bible's real. It's, this is what the Christian standard Bible says. I was reading it this week. It says, they drank and became drunk with Joseph. That's what, they, they threw a brother party, yet they didn't even know they were brothers. They threw this party and they got a little sauce, so to speak. But here we go. Think of their arrival on the spot. This is not going, this isn't turning out to be what they expected. They showed up fearful and scared, and yet now they are feasting. They, this is clearly an encounter they did not expect. I would think, man, if we went to someone's house and all you had to serve, all you had to serve was like tomahawk steaks, king crab legs, and open bar, right? That's what these brothers are feasting on. They're showing up. And I think of this story, he, he just, like, what's he doing with Benjamin? Five times, it's like he's doting over his little brother. You need to put on some more muscle, brother. Like he just keeps piling on the steaks. He's just doting over his family, doting over his youngest brother. And all of their fear, all of their fear that they walked in the door with, could we say it like this, has been displaced because of the mercy Joseph showed them. That fear that they arrived on the scene with has been displaced by the grace Joseph showed them. And I think, goodness, goodness, we worry about so many things going on in life, don't we? We worry about things in, in our country. We worry about who we're, who, who we're voting for. But then we worry in the church about who everybody else is voting for. We do all these things, and yet the Bible just tells us this. I love this third point. Would you write this down? Acts of grace free up everyone at the table. Acts of grace free up everyone at the table. That's what Joseph did. It was like they were there for a feast and it became party time because of Joseph's gracious spirit, because of Joseph's forgiving spirit. Instead of hammering them about the past, which was totally wrong, Joseph is totally full of grace. And this is how I wanna to close today. I think Joseph's response 
mirrors that of our God, right? It mirrors that of God's grace because God sent his son in the person of Jesus for us. So often we approach God, and you know what? I think people approach God like this. They, they approach him with this fear factor going on. We approach God with this sense of, God, let me explain myself, right? That's how the brother showed up to the servant. We need to explain how we got this extra money. And so often we do that with God. We show up guilty and we're like, I, I, I got to repent. I gotta, and, and yes, we do need to repent. And yes, we do like following Jesus in some ways. We always like to say it's, it's not just behavior modification, but if you love Jesus, our behaviors do change, don't they? Or they should change. But so often we come to brothers, we come to God like these brothers, and we just want to explain ourselves. We want to plead our case. We want to make a case for ourselves. And God just says, hey, 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 I've got some more tomahawk steaks here. I've got a blessing for you. You don't need to. God just shows us incredible grace time after time again. And we tend to approach God thinking, God, how can I just earn a seat at the table? How can I just earn enough for you to like take care of my guilt, let me in, silence how I feel, whatever it is. And yet God, like Joseph, has totally, he has something just totally different in mind for us. God has a totally different plan for us. And, and his plan is overwhelming us with abundance. His plan is overwhelming us with grace and mercy. And it's that which we totally don't even deserve. I, I read this from a book this week. It's a quote, and, and I want to close with this. And we're going to pray. But check this out. It's, it's uh, from a, a wonderful author, apologist, Christian thinker. He passed away uh, just this year. But his name is Frederick Beekner, and he says this about grace. I think it'll be on the screen. Would you read along with me? And think about this for a moment. He says, after centuries of handling and mishandling, most religious words have become so shopworn, nobody's much interested anymore. Not so with grace. For some reason, mysteriously, even derivatives like gracious and graceful still have some bloom left. What a writer, right? I can't even like repeat it. It's so wonderful. Grace is something you can never get but only be given. There's no way to earn it or deserve it or bring it about any more than you can deserve the taste of raspberries and cream or earn good looks or bring about your own birth. A crucial eccentricity of the Christian faith is the assertion that people are saved by grace. And here we go. I think some of us could write this down and notice the emphasis here. There's nothing you have to do. There's nothing you have to do. There's nothing you have to do. There's only one catch. Like any other gift, the gift of grace can be yours only if you'll reach out and take it. Maybe being able to reach out and take it is a gift too. Isn't that incredible? And as we talk about this, and next week we're going to jump in and spoiler alert, we're going to have that moment where Joseph comes out and he says, I am Joseph. That's where we're going. It's going to be ready for next week. It's going to be exciting. We're ready. We're ready. It's taking us a while to get there. But that's where we're going next week. But don't you, do you notice how this story 
It almost, it, it, it preemptively tells us about the gospel. It points us to a person. It points us to a savior. Think of the cross, church. The one who was rejected is the same one who works so hard to get us reunited with him. Did you hear that? The one who we rejected is the one working so hard to get us reunited. That's amazing. And God, our Father, instead of approaching him with a guilty conscience and explaining ourselves, we need to understand God the Father longs to be with his people. He longs to be with creation. And just like Joseph, it's like, I think of that party. The party is ready. God has a party ready to go. The table is full, and he's just waiting for us to just sit down and take a seat at the table. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this time and and your word. Holy Spirit, we thank you for challenging us today and convicting us today. Father, we ask that you would change us today. God, help us to be more and more like Joseph. I want to be more like Joseph because I think Joseph was a whole lot like you. He was so forgiving. He was so gracious. He was a whole lot like Jesus. God, rather than reminding people of where they fall short, God, help us to show people favor to the max. Help us to show people blessing to the max. Help us to throw a banquet for people like Joseph threw for his brothers who betrayed him. As we close, maybe you're here today and you need to experience a touch from the Heavenly Father. You need to experience a a, a touch from God who has made the table. He has set the table. He has prepared a feast. He has forgiven. He wants you to know that he's forgiven you. He's forgiven you so much that he sent Jesus for you. He sent his son for you. He sent him to the cross for those sins, bearing sins, taking sins that we committed and that we will commit tomorrow and forgiving us right there in the process of Jesus on the cross. It's amazing. Our Bible says God longs to be with us. God longs to be with you. He's ready. He's waiting. He's ready to say, come on. The door is open, the house is open, the banquet's prepared. He's just waiting for you to say yes. He's waiting for you to say yes to uh, forgiveness. He's waiting for you to say yes to mercy. He's waiting for you to say yes to grace. He's waiting for you to say yes to eternity with him. He's waiting waiting for you to, to say yes to Jesus. That's it, he's waiting for you to say yes. That Jesus, he went to the cross so that anyone that would call upon the name of the Lord, that you would be forgiven and that you would be transformed, that you would be saved and changed and that you would be made new. So I want to ask you this morning, if there's anybody here that you just say, you know what, God, I need to be made new. God, I need to be made right. God, I've been doing my thing. And maybe you've been in church 20 years, maybe you've been in church 20 minutes. Maybe you're watching at home on the stream. I don't know your story, but God does. And God's word declares that you aren't here by accident, but you're you're not here by chance. You're not here by luck. But you're here by God's calling, by God's providence, by God's directive. By God orchestrating you to be here. And so I just want to ask you, do you want to meet with Jesus today?
you want to sit down at the banquet table with Jesus today, if you want to say yes to Jesus today, the Bible just says say yes to him and turn from your sin. Just change. Say yes to him and change. If you want to do that, one of the ways I like to just encourage people, just to lift your eyes. You can lift your eyes. You can lift a hand. You can lift a hand my way. I like to just say, to to just acknowledge him. Let's just show him some acknowledgement. You put your hands on that cross freely. The The least we can do is lift our hand and acknowledge you in front of man. And so I want to ask you today, if you're at home, if you want to say yes to Jesus, would you just begin to lift your hand in this house? One, two, and three. Would you just lift them up? I see you two young men over there. I see you over there. Anybody else over here? Anybody else? God, we say yes to you today. Church, can we bow our heads and can we pray? Heavenly Father, Lord, would you just forgive us? If you lifted your hand today, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Would you change me? Would you make me new? Jesus, be my Savior. Fill me with your Spirit. And I think all of us could say this. Could we all say, Lord, thank you for forgiving me? Come on, let's say that. Lord, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for the table. Thank you for preparing a party for me. In Jesus' name, we thank you for new life. Amen? Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, You can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with friends, share it with family, help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you, 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.